0: Hi everybody, my name is Jerry Wise and I'm a Life and Relationship Coach and I see individuals uh, online, I work with individuals in groups, and I have a website and also a workshop coming up, but this particular video is entitled Staying on Task Even When Experiencing Discomfort. Jenny Brown lists in her book, Growing Yourself Up, the seven characteristics of a mature or more self-differentiated inner adult. And this is number two. You can watch my other video on the first one, and I'm going to explain and talk about all seven. They're all very important. I think for those who are in recovery, that this process of staying on task is a way for us to not abandon the inner child. If we as the adult stay on task, we then are protecting the inner adult, or excuse me, the inner child, and we're also caring for them and not abandoning them. Because often we, when, we get, when we meet resistance in relationships or systems, we tend to abandon ourselves and abandon the inner child, <clears throat> and continue to operate in the system in a status quo way and no changes are made, the inner child becomes disappointed and hurt and, and abandoned. And we as an adult feel more cowardice or worthless or shame. And so it's very important that we learn to stay on task even when we experience discomfort. Peter Senge, in his book, The Fifth Fifth Discipline, in which he applies systems thinking to corporations, businesses, um, and organizations. It's an excellent book. He's kind of the creator of the learning organization used by a lot of corporations to help them break out of their quick fix thinking and start using systems thinking, which is a more long term approach which actually provides more change, and actually allows change to happen. Quick fixes often don't uh, create change, but only for a moment. And he writes, resistance is a response by the system trying to maintain the implicit system goal, or the implicit system belief, or the implicit system role, Or the implicit system addiction. Or the implicit system dysfunction. Because it wants to maintain that dysfunction. And so if you begin to operate differently, it's going to resist you. The system, the family, the church, workplace, whatever system we're in is going to resist us. And so if we understand that there is this resistance then it's very important that we're able to sustain ourselves through that resistance and find a new setting and a reset on the other side of us functioning in the system or in the relationship or in the marriage. So again, it's staying on task when experiencing discomfort. Oftentimes, those of us, me included, for many, many, many years, we are used to folding at the first sign of resistance when changing our role in the system when we want something to change for us we then present that change to the system we get resistance and then we fold and the status quo the equilibrium the homeostasis continues and then we feel discouraged upset And, uh, and much like we have failed, and that there is, and hopeless, there is no use. Because if the system won't accept the new me, then why even try? Well, that's a quick fix or a very linear way of looking at change. If we look at change in a system's way, we can see the value in persistence or encourage or in consistency, that, like Brene Brown talks about in her books when we're self-differentiating. And Brene Brown is another Murray Bowen Family Systems author, Uh, and so is Jenny Brown, Andrea Shera, Harriet Lerner. Those are good books for you to see change in a systems way rather than just a cause and effect way, which oftentimes will fail. So when we are on task, we want to learn to stay in place regardless of what the system is doing and stay out of the emotional glue that's happening and resist the emotional glue and the pull and the enmeshment or the rejection. I had a client I was working with yesterday and she remembered some of my words and she said she was feeling so much better. Because she always kind of feared re- rejection. She's a very good professional, wonderful per- person, uh, a beautiful woman. And she, and she feels so uh, insecure when she um, feels rejected by a boss or a co-worker or someone like that. And she was saying, well, Jerry, as you say, you know, when I sense that rejection, I realize it really can't hurt me. It doesn't make my pants fall down and um she used another phrase too i can't remember what it was but right it doesn't make my pants fall down why am i worried about their rejection and so we learn those tools to be able to stay engaged with our new change Um, and so we want to learn to stay in place if we're trying to make a change in the system and i'll give you an example of this at the end of the video here we want to learn to stay in place. Stand your ground. Um, the uh, Make your change intentional versus reactive. If we are reacting, then we're probably not going to affect a change. No matter, I don't care if we yell and scream or whatever we do. It won't affect a change. It will keep things the same. If we are intentional then we can really make a change in our functioning in the system. And again, our issues, and we're going to be triggered by others when we begin to make a change. And that's acceptable. That, that, is, that should be expected. I'm sorry, not expected. And how can we strategically deal with that? Increase your ability to hang in there and to tolerate this discomfort. The discomfort. The discomfort is the system's feelings. So, when we begin to make a change, uh, Dad, I wish you would not uh, tell me that I'm stupid. You know that's very rude, and I don't like that. And he said, "Well, you've always been stupid. I don't know what's wrong with you." Now I start to feel the system's feelings of shame. I'm not really stupid. You know, I don't know what dad, I'm not even sure dad really even thinks I'm stupid. He's just using that as a way to keep the system in a status quo equilibrium to, to continue the same dysfunction. And so when I have that systems feeling of shame, which is what it is, uh, if I do something shameful, then I might feel shame. That's a true feeling. If he says I'm stupid, then I start to feel shame. And that comes from the relationship system it's okay to ignore systems feelings don't ignore your true feelings but it's okay to ignore systems feelings and a lot of people don't know what feelings to ignore and what feelings to uh, uh, feel and let go of practice persevering and exercising your courage don't wait for it to happen but to make it happen And I've always said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. So even poor attempts at self-differentiation is better than reactive attempts at making a change. Now that's important. Poor attempts at self-differentiation and intentional work is better than reactive uh, uh, interventions that we try don't wait for it to happen many times we will wait well i'll do it when the system will accept me i'll do it when dad's not going to shame me i'll do it well you'll be waiting for decades if forever for that to change and it probably won't so we're learning to change us while accepting that the system is not going to change and when we do that when we change us while accepting the system is not going to change we actually end up changing the system not directly but indirectly because we're bringing more calmness and more a sense of self to the system which is what it needs and what it lacks so staying on task trying something new always involves this characteristic use intention versus passion or systems feelings to drive you to be a true self in a system use an intentional you will be more calm will be less reactive don't be intense but work act and feel calmer work on feeling calmer and being calmer rather than intense when we're making changes in a relationship a marriage a family workplace Avoid giving in because you'll lose self at that point. Then we become more our pseudo self, which is a self based on what others want, desire, and need you to be. That's a pseudo self, and many of us have learned that growing up. Uh, an intense blow up becomes reactive and confrontational, which does nothing for a system only to make it worse or more uh, or tightens the relationship even more, and tightens the dysfunction. Um, intentional ignoring of the system's feelings. Just like the client who talked to me, who's in business, who's in New York City, and she, she realizes that I can ignore this feeling of rejection. This is a system's feeling from growing up, from my parents who were very rejecting, and now I rece- rece- now I see rejection around every bush. And I can ignore that feeling. I don't have to give it life. I don't have to feed it. I can ignore that and work to ignore it. Now you're saying, well, Jerry, is that easy? No, it's not easy, of course not. But it's the any work at doing that will provide a lot of benefit, even if it's to a small degree, because you're working in the right direction and it will begin to build on itself. Let me give you a brief example at the end of this video here one of the first self-differentiation uh, attempts that I tried was, I was a pastor at the time. I don't think I was a bishop, I think I was a pastor at the time. My father had passed away, and at our family, we all gathered around for family meals, and everyone looked to me to, to give the grace for or pray for the meal before we started. And I began to notice that's kind of a pattern. Everybody's just expecting that of me. And, you know, I really don't want to do that. This is my family. I'm not the family pastor. I'm Jerry in the family. I don't want to be the pastor here. I'm the pastor everywhere else. I would like the freedom to do what I would like to do. And I don't really want to do this. And I don't want to do it out of guilt or out of shame or out of they'll be disappointed. Or why can't I just do it? It's no big deal. I have all those kinds of voices going on, which are systems voices and systems feelings. They're not my true feelings. My true feelings are, I don't want to do this. I like to do this by choice, not because this is your role. And so I began to talk to my mom prior to a Thanksgiving dinner. I can't remember if it was Thanksgiving Christmas or when it was. We were all gathering. And like three weeks before, I'm saying, hey mom, I really, I want to let you know that I just would rather not, give the family prayer. I think some other people could do that. She totally ignored what I said. She wasn't even hearing me. So then I thought, well, I better, I better talk to her again about it. So I did, alerted her again, mom, hey, I just want you to know that I'm, you know, because last time she didn't even hardly respond, so I, I think she was saying, it doesn't matter what you want, Jerry, you will be doing it when we get to the meal. So I thought I better talk to her again. And, um, so I did and she said, uh, I understand and then uh, ignored me and I think I might have done it one more time. In fact, I finally said, mom, if, if I'm asked to do it, I probably will defer. So I just want you to know that again, kind of blank, ignoring it. Doesn't matter. Jerry, this is your role. You need to do this. So then we get to the family meal. Then we're right before we're supposed to eat. Everybody looks at me. Mom looks at me and says, Jerry, could you return thanks? Or could you give a prayer for the meal? I prepared for that because I thought that was gonna happen. I had lots of anxiety, lots of feelings of shame, didn't know what was gonna happen or if people would not like me. Or here was my grieving mom having lost my dad and I'm treating her badly when I'm just wanting to do what I would like to do. I'm not trying to hurt anyone, including my mother. But at that point, I had prepared intentionally to stay the task, no matter how discomforting it was, and simply say, "Um, well, as I had shared with you, Mom, I think I would rather not be the one who gives the prayer for the meal, and then stayed quiet. That was the most difficult quietness I had felt probably in my life. I didn't know what was going to happen. Was my brother going to blow up? Was he going to be mad? Was he going to, you know, was, why are you treating mom so badly? Why can't you just do this simple little prayer? You're a pastor. Why can't you do this? So again, it's why can't you do your role, Jerry? What's wrong with you? And so I continued to stay quiet for this pregnant moment that felt like hours. And then finally, mom decided to go ahead and pray herself. And so there was a great deal of anxiety, and then when mom prayed, the anxiety came down, and there was calmness. And I felt, having uh, watched the family later, that it provided an awful lot of relief and less anxiety for the family, in that I had done that with calmness, though I was still feeling anxious and worried, but I persevered through it staying calm, or at least acting calm, And I wasn't blaming anybody. I didn't say, well, mom, I told you that I wasn't going to do this. What's wrong with you? I don't need to shame her. Or this is just my self, I position, self-differentiation, no one else's responsibility. I'm not blaming the family for putting me in this role. I'm just deciding this is what I would like to do. And do it in a calm way and an adult way. And actually, I think the family was never the same in a positive way now not all circumstances like that work out well we have to practice that sometimes there'll be greater resistance and i understand that and in other videos i've talked about the three stages of resistance that we have to go through before the system resets with a new you and a new uh, less anxiety So, I wanted to bring this to you today and give you an example. I hope that this has been a help to you. Uh, I have a workshop coming up uh, in a couple of months, and I hope you'll join the workshop. I have coupons for people who are site members on my website. You can give me a call if you'd like to work with me. I'd be happy to do that. And thank you for watching. Have a great day.